What up, everybody? This is your host, George Becknell, and welcome to the sixth episode of In the Paint. This episode is brought to you by Seven Stitches Lifestyle Boutique. You can shop online at shop7stitches.com. That's shop, the number seven, stitches.com, or a person at 415 Lee Avenue, Lafayette, Louisiana, 70501. Phone number 337 484-3720. And remember, at Seven Stitches, we don't just sell clothing, we sell a lifestyle. First things first, it's March. So what does that mean? It's March Madness, baby. So we got to talk about the NCAA tournament because to say it's madness would be an understatement with all the craziness that's happening thus far this year. The first thing, number one seed Virginia, who's been the number one ranked team in the country for much of the year, they lose to UMBC, the 16 seed. First time in history a number one seed has lost to a number 16 seed. You know, and this team, UMBC, they so unknown. I had to Google the school so I could tell y'all on this podcast that it's the University of Maryland at Baltimore County. Never even heard of the school. They upset Virginia, the number one seed. Then you also had number 13 seed Marshall upset number four Wichita State. Number 11 Syracuse, you know, you don't expect a Jim Beheim coach team in Syracuse to be ranked as an 11 seed, but they upset number six seed TCU and number three seed Michigan State, so they're in the Sweet 16. They're actually going to play Coach Sikeski in uh, Duke University which ought to be interesting, Bayheim versus Coach K. You also had Loyola, Chicago, upset number six, Miami, and then Michigan won on some last-minute heroics over the University of Houston. So this year for March Madness, it's been anything I can, it's been everything I can ask for, right? But we're only in the Sweet 16. So, man, this, this, this really got me thinking, about some of my favorite Sweet 16 moments. You know, all these moments, and there's two I'm, I just won't mention. I'm going to touch on real, real quick. Then I'm going to give you the opportunity to give me yours. Number one, I'm a little bit of a homer. So one of my favorite moments is when the number one seed, Duke University, plays the number four seed, LSU Tigers. J.J. Reddick at the time was the next great Duke player who everybody celebrated and a guy named Garrett Temple put the lock on J.J. Reddick and just took him completely out of the game and LSU upset Duke. Loved it. One of my favorite moments. And then there was a guy from the mid-90s named, named Bryce Drew played at a small school named Valparaiso. And he hit a three-pointer at the buzzer to beat Ole Miss. Loved it. I'm going to tell you why. It was a great play, but at the time Ole Miss and Alabama lose in dramatic fashion, 
I absolutely love it. But I, I want to know to you, you know, because this is an interactive show. I want y'all to hit me up and let me know what you think. What's some of your favorite March Madness moments? Was it when Michael Jordan hit the shot in the Superdome as a freshman for North Carolina to win? Was it when Chris Webber called timeouts and he didn't have any more? Was it Christian Leitner, his shot over Kentucky in the spectrum in Philadelphia to knock Kentucky out of the NCAA tournament? Or was it two years ago the shot that Villanova hit over North Carolina to win the title? You guys let me know. My Instagram is at the letter N, so at N underscore the underscore paint. And my Twitter is at George underscore Becknell. That's B-E-C-N-E-L. And I'll have both handles for you in the description of the podcast. But y'all let me know what's y'all favorite NCAA tournament moment. And we can talk about it next week on the podcast. But keeping up with basketball, last night in a win over the Milwaukee Bucks, LeBron James recorded a 40-point triple-double, good for his 16th triple-double of the season. Despite the Cavaliers' problems this year, LeBron James has been playing out of his mind in his 15th NBA season, which leaves a lot of people to wonder, at 33 years of age, after 15 years, how is this man sustaining such a high level of play. It also brings about the question that's always asked, is LeBron or can LeBron be the greatest player of all time? And you hear everybody debating this all the time, right? You've heard Skip Bayless weigh in on this. You've heard Stephen A. Smith weigh in on this. You've heard former players Mark Jackson. You've heard Scottie Pippen give his opinion. You've even heard Shannon Sharp talk about this. You've heard all these people talk about their opinion on the greatest player of all time, but you hadn't heard it from me. But guess what? We about to dive into this right now. But before I hit you with all kind of stats, I want to set up the scene. I want to go back in, in NBA history a little bit, right? I want, I want you guys to really understand where the league came from versus where it is right now, right? So I'm going to start off with the 1977 NBA Finals. Uh, an NBA Finals matchup between two all-time greats, right? Dr. J. Julius Irvin and Bill Walton, where the 76ers lost to the Portland Trailblazers four games to two. Now, you would assume that that's a great series with such big names in that series. But that NBA Finals was on tape delay. So at the time, you know, the NBA Finals wasn't even on live television. So the NBA was struggling. The U the United States, they, they were in love with baseball, right? So not too many people were big on the NBA. So fast forward a couple of years, 1979, 1980, these two rookies come into the league. You got Irvin Magic Johnson starting with the Lakers. And then you got Larry Bird starting off with the Boston Celtics. Now, what makes this so relevant, because these guys played in the NCAA finals 
against each other and had a good game. Magic came out on top at Michigan State over Larry Bird's Indiana State team, which set the tone for these two gentlemen to be rivals in the NBA for most of the 80s, right? But what was so special about these guys, Magic was on the, on the West Coast and he was black. Larry Bird was on the East Coast and he was white. And everybody in America now has somebody to identify with. Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're East Coast, whether you're West Coast, you got a guy that you want to root for. Which, them being rivals, really added to the popularity of the NBA. So, Larry Bird Magic Johnson saved the NBA and made the United States love the NBA. You know, 1984, a gentleman named Michael Jeffrey Jordan gets drafted by the Chicago Bulls, third overall. You know, and the very next year, 1985, Nike releases this revolutionary basketball shoe called the Air Jordan with his own logo on it. You know, so instantly, this this brother is jumping over people, dunking over people. You know, really making fans fall in his love, fall in love with his style of play. You know, in 1988, Nike also introduced the first logo, the Jumpman logo, which was a silhouette of Michael Jordan himself, which will go down in pop culture as one of the biggest logos or one of the most recognizable symbols that we even have to date. But also in 1988. The United States basketball team loses to Russia and receives a bronze a bronze medal. Now that's big. The reason why that's, that's big because at that time in 1988, all the teams from other places on earth they all sent professional basketball players, while the United States sends college kids. It didn't really matter before 1988 because the United States were winning a gold medal almost every year anyway. But now, all of a sudden, you have a situation to where the United States are not supposed to lose in the Olympics because us as Americans, we created basketball. We can't lose to the Russians. So it started a debate about whether us as Americans, we should send professional athletes to the Olympics, you know, instead of the college kids because everybody else is doing it. So, you know, that's what's going on right now in 1988. But also, the Chicago Bulls, which Michael Jordan is starring on, they're struggling against a team called the Detroit Pistons. They can't give it, get over that hump. Michael Jordan is getting criticized because a scoring champ will never win an NBA title. He needs to get his teammates involved, man, taking all kind of criticism, right? Fast forward a couple of years. 1991, Michael Jordan with his partner, Scottie Pippen, find a way to get over the hump. They win the NBA championship over the LA Lakers. Then they're able to repeat in 1992. So they riding high, right? But in 1992, the Olympics come, come up again. But this time... It's been approved for the United States to send the professional players, right? So now you got the greatest team assembled, arguably of all time, 
1992 U.S. Olympic men's basketball team called the Dream Team. So they go over there and they go to Spain to dominate. They go to Barcelona and I think the closest game was like against Croatia in the gold medal game was like 30 points, right? But the team featured all the best players in the NBA, but Michael Jordan was the headliner. So now you got a game that the NBA had fallen in love with, but now all of a sudden, the rest of the world was seeing what NBA basketball was like. Because if you keep in mind, this is before the internet. So you couldn't just go to YouTube and be like, hey man, I wonder what the NBA looks like, right? The first time it was really front and center for the whole world to see was in 1992. And at this time, Michael Jordan was one of the most, if not the most popular athlete in the United States. So you had all kind of people. You had Nike taking advantage of this. You had Haynes taking advantage of this. You know, ballpark wieners, all, all, all the stuff, Gatorade, all the stuff Michael Jordan endorsed. Now all of a sudden was on billboards everywhere in Spain for the world to see. And the world really fell in love with NBA basketball because of what the dream team was able to accomplish. But at the forefront was Michael Jordan. So Mike goes on. He goes back to the NBA after that. He wins another championship for a three-peat. He goes play baseball, comes back, wins three more titles. So I said all that to say this. You know, LeBron James, even outside of the stats, because if you look at his stats, you know, LeBron averages more rebounds than Michael Jordan. LeBron averages more assists. He's more versatile on the floor. But Mike, he was a, he was a scorer. He was a better scorer, probably the greatest scorer of all time. And he's the most clutch player of all time. You know, there was no time where it was it, the the game was online and the ball wasn't in, Mike, in Mike's hands. But even outside of all of that, LeBron James wouldn't be able to surpass Michael Jordan in greatness because Michael came first. Mike existed first. He changed the game. He elevated the NBA to the global pastime it is. You know, had the dream team not been able to go overseas and accomplish what they accomplished, they may not have international superstars in the NBA. You know, guys like Dirk Nowitzki from Germany, you know, Steve Nash from Canada, um, all the Euro guys, man. Like, the NBA had a couple of guys internationally before, but now it's like a like a global phenomenon. You know, the Gasol brothers come to mind. You know, the list goes on and on and on. So it's not a knock on LeBron. There's no way he would have been able to accomplish that because it already had been accomplished. Now, you know, you hear people talk about LeBron's, I don't know, seven straight NBA Finals. I don't see anybody in the East really 
primed and ready to beat the Cavaliers. You know, the Raptors are pretty good. The Celtics are pretty good. But I don't see them beating the Cavaliers, even though the Cavaliers have been struggling. So let's say LeBron makes it to eight straight finals, right? Well, right now, LeBron's finals record is three and five. Even if he wins it this year, which I don't really see happening, the best is going to be is four and five. Michael Jordan is a perfect six for six in the NBA finals without even having to go to a game seven. Matter of fact, in the whole 90s, Michael Jordan played three game sevens, period. He played seven against the Pistons in 90, uh, seven against the Knicks in 92-ish, don't quote me on that, and seven against the Pacers in 98, right? You know, he won 25 of his last 26 playoff series with his only loss being against a very good Orlando Magic team the same year he was trying to hit a curveball. So, when you talk about a level of greatness, even without the history, I don't think LeBron touches Mike. Because if you think about it, LeBron's in his 15th year right now. Mike only played 15 years in the NBA. You know, you could talk about when he broke his foot in 85, 86 and only played like 17 games. 94, 95, he only played 19 games because he was coming back from baseball and then two years with the Wizards. So in 11 full seasons with the Chicago Bulls, the man got six rings. That's unheard of. So no disrespect to LeBron. Michael is the GOAT. And I'm going to say this too while I'm at it. LeBron ain't passed Kobe Bryant yet. Kobe being Bryant... It's five for seven in the finals. Much better score than LeBron. Shoot from anywhere. Now LeBron's more versatile again, but Kobe's more clutch. So I would even take Kobe over LeBron, but that's just me. But look, if you got an opinion on it, let me know. My Twitter is at George underscore Becknell. My Instagram is at the letter N. So at N underscore the underscore paint let me know what you think i have a post on instagram about this this episode comment under and if you want to come on the podcast debate me dm me and we'll set that up so last episode i talked about the nfl draft combine and i talked i also mentioned how i love the nfl offseason you know, I just love watching all the pieces move. I love watching these teams try to retool and get better for next year to start their championship run. So right now, free agency is the big thing. You're trying to get as many veterans as you can to solidify your team before you address the rest of your needs in the draft, right? So this year was a really interesting year because we saw a lot of quarterback movement. You know, you saw... Tyrod Taylor leave Buffalo. You saw Teddy Bridgewater go to Buffalo. You saw Case Keenum go to Denver. You saw Sam Bradford go to Arizona. You saw a whole bunch of things. And I just want to talk about my winners and losers right quick, you know. Now, as excited as I am that Drew Brees was able to re-sign with the New Orleans Saints and be able to finish his career as a Saint, 
I can't talk about the Saints as my big winners because other than that, they didn't really go out and, and really make a splash. They made a bunch of moves to to make their team a little better and to, and to be solid, but they didn't do anything really sexy, right? They just didn't. So my big winner thus far has to be the L.A. Rams. I mean, you already got a very, very good football team. So you go out and get corners, Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. You also go get Indomitian Sue on that line to put next to Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald. Or are you serious? You add that to Sean McVay's offense with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley on offense. Bruh. This Rams team is locked and loaded and ready to make a championship run. They definitely go win the NFC West, in my opinion. I don't care that the 49ers finally got a quarterback. I don't care that the Seahawks are imploding and that the Cardinals got them a quarterback in Sam Bradford. Sam Glass Bradford, right? The LA Rams are ready to make a title run, and they are my big winners of this NFL offseason, well, for the free agency part anyway. That can change after the draft. But the Rams are my big winners. My big losers. I got I got to talk about two people. Number one, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What are y'all doing? You come within the game from going to the Super Bowl, and I feel like you went that far despite having Blake Bortles as your quarterback. He is an average quarterback, average at best. You have a stout running back and a guy named Leonard Fournette. You have a stout defense. You have a team ready to make a championship run. All you need is a quarterback. And what you do with all these guys available, you resign Blake Bortles. Come on, Jacksonville. Tom Coughlin. Two-time Super Bowl winner up there in the front office. What are you doing? You get a big fat L for free agency for me for that move. And speaking of quarterbacks, another team that's one game away from the Super Bowl, Minnesota Vikings, right? You get there with Case Keenum. Case Keenum was a guy who was like a career backup. If y'all don't know him, he really made a name for himself this year. Um, he bounced around a little bit after leaving the University of Houston, who had a very good career at the University of Houston. Solid quarterback. But you almost go to the Super Bowl with this dude playing quarterback. Also on the roster, you got Sam Bradford and you got Teddy Bridgewater, right? You let all those guys go. Just to go give Kirk Cousins $84 million guaranteed for three years. Guaranteed. Look, I get it. Kirk Cousins was the was the hot quarterback of the, dra- uh, of, the, of the free agency this year. You know, you always overpay for quarterbacks. But let me tell you something. Kirk Cousins is a solid guy. I think he's a good NFL quarterback. But you get rid of a guy that took you to the NFC title game, you one win away from the Super Bowl, you already got a team in, you already got a team set, and you go overpay for Kirk Cousins, who only been to the playoff once, 
and has never won a playoff game. I get it. He's in Washington. But, I mean, what has Kirk Cousins really done in the NFL to prove that he's worth $84 million? Guaranteed. I just don't see it. So, I got to give the Minnesota Vikings and the Jacksonville Jaguars two fat L's. You got to get it together. My sincere hope is that you've enjoyed this episode and all the other ones. I greatly appreciate the support. Keep listening. Do me a favor. Go ahead and hit subscribe for me. And look, if y'all have anything y'all want me to tackle, if y'all got anything y'all want to debate me on, which I feel like y'all might after this episode, remember my Twitter is at George underscore Becknell and my Instagram is at N underscore the underscore paint. Let me know what you're feeling like. But look, as always, I appreciate you. And I'll see you next week in the paint.